0: What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America NA member FDSE. Welcome back, baseball family. Uh, For those of you paying attention, we are reading a book. As a group, it's called a book club. That's what they call it. (laughs) And uh, we have chosen Fairball by Bob Costas. If you want to jump in and catch up, maybe this is your first time here. This is what the book looks like. Um we highly recommend getting it on Audible if you get the chance because the delivery is significantly different. <laughs> it is a very different experience. <laughs> <laughs> Brad and I listened to this book previously and then, you know, obviously we picked up a copy for the book club and um that I think let's just get into it Brad. That's our first major takeaway yeah. is that the way Bob reads it because he reads it himself uh, on the audio version is it's very very different than It is. The- what you walk away with his intonation is
1: much more positive because he actually says that at the very beginning of the book he says that he's he's like i'm not a romantic i'm not a traditionalist um Mm. he's like his exact words are i'm more bold durham than field of dreams and it's funny because like everything leading up to that and then like a lot of stuff after as you read it you're like "Mm, no Mm. but when you listen to it his tone is much more that way he's much more positive delivering the negative things and I think part of that comes through because he's a professional broadcaster he knows how to do that for sure but you can hear him saying it in a way that like well it just makes sense this way like I don't hate baseball I'm not upset about it like I just think this would be better right but when you're reading it he comes off what'd you say cranky
0: crank really cranky like angry pants
1: Yes, big time. And my yeah. my other thing was that he's complaining about the 1997 World Series between the Cleveland Indians and the Florida Marlins at the time. And I was yeah. just like, that is absolutely something a Yankees fan would say. <laughs> absolutely. Right, he's elitist. not a Yankees fan.
0: He's he not said a Yankees that he, fan.
1: He said that he grew up going to Yankees games, though.
0: Yeah, but he didn't he say he was a Twins fan as well?
1: Well, he, he breaks it down like the perspective of a Twins fan, and maybe he is right. a Twins fan, I don't know. But right. him talking about going to Yankee Stadium, I'm like, yeah, yeah. that is something that uh, somebody grew up watching the Yankees would say because hmm. you way prefer to have a big market team there where somebody like me who's a fan of a small market team, I prefer yeah. to watch the small market teams. My favorite World Series, though, are small market versus big market because the big market is always the villain. Right. But yeah. I'll step down, and we'll get back to the book. Thanks, But bro. no, it felt like... <laughs> That's where, like, yeah. <laughs> I mean, uh, I mean oh, please. <laughs> okay, now that we it, have it accurate like context, so him him complaining about a World Series between the Marlins and the Indians is like, I don't know. And but maybe he doubles back. Years, I was like, that's fine.
0: He doubles back though, and he lauds the performances of teams like Minnesota, who had two World Series victories in the eighties. And he says, right. what a great opportunity for small market teams like Pittsburgh, Oakland, Minnesota, who were perennial pennant winners and World Series appearers. And he was like, this is what it should be. So he, so I agree with you. While he comes off super angry in the introduction, especially if you read it, if you listen to it, it's different. But if you read it, the introduction comes off as really, really ornery. And it reminded me of jerry Maguire. honestly i kept thinking as i was reading the introduction i was like if this was written today with the same tone and the same delivery and the same everything he would be run out of baseball i don't think they would let him anywhere near the game after this if he had if he released this today it's too inflammatory it comes it comes off the Mm -hmm. page as too inflammatory and so he would be chasing down his own clients and hoping that (laughs) uh, basketball would take him back or something because this is not going to be it would, have, it would have ended things for him in
1: baseball. Well, something I thought was interesting that he pointed out, and this book was written, what, 2001, 2000, something like that?
0: 2000, yeah.
1: 2000. He says, and this, this is a five-year window, small sample size, but he says, since 1995, only three out of the 189 postseason games have been won by teams in the bottom half of payrolls. And that's I feel like that's his big argument. Yeah, it is. Is that since the 94 strike that there has been not been as much parity that it's you have to have a big payroll you have to be able to bring in the stars and pay them to win games and the thing that's interesting is that at the time and probably through like 2005 that was the case yeah you know but we've seen teams figure out how to build teams through their farm system and sustainable
0: we've seen sustainability
1: yeah. since 2017 yeah with the astros that that's the model now
0: it is well and the like rays the- have been doing it quietly for years as well
1: right yeah and granted they haven't won a world series but they've made deep playoff Still. runs you, and yeah. you know who else doesn't bring in the big free agents the dodgers
0: That's they trade true. for
1: guys they'll yeah. trade for big names but they don't sign up. Yeah.
0: i think freddie's probably the only difference
1: him and yeah it's like him because Trey turner left yeah yeah was, was a trade
0: say. yeah it was a trade yeah Yeah. that's really interesting so let's move on to chapter one because chapter one was really interesting Uh, at at one point i thought wow he he hates the players and then as i further read on i was like wow he hates the owners and by the time i got to chapter three i was like wow he really is just a fan and he really is just in in our camp right he's Mm -hmm. he's really advocating on behalf of the fan which is which is the subtitle of the book, is A Fan's Case for Baseball. Right. But in Chapter 1, one of the things that he argued, and again, this is 23 years ago, but he argues that the true measure of success is a team's attendance. But that has gone kind of on its head with all of the broadcast opportunities that are available now that were not available then. Mm-hmm. So my question is, is that still the barometer for the health of the game? I contend it probably is. But don't you think, Brad, like butts and seats gotta be the ultimate barometer?
1: I don't know. It's tough. It's really tough just because it's gotten to be so expensive to go to a game. Because I remember in high school sitting there looking at tickets to Mariners games and be like, we can get tickets for 12 bucks. I yeah. can swing that. Like my friends and I are like, we can swing that. We just had to get to Seattle. That is it. Right. You know? Yep. Yep. But now you can't get in the door for under 30 bucks at most places. Right. Right. I, unless there's this, a promo
0: this last summer i was able to score some sweet cheap tickets but man you got what you paid for and they weren't right. bad because i got to be there and i had a six-year-old with me so it's right. right yeah but yeah but it like was, when you were
1: here though like we walked up to the gate and we paid 35 bucks to get in the door for the yep. cheapest seats in the house yep yeah and i feel like that's the biggest problem is that it's cost prohibitive for a lot of people to take their kids to a game that like yeah. Wilson and I will go to a game. We'll drop hundred bucks for
0: yeah. seats, food, totally. and that's it. Right. You know? That's that's not going to the team store. That has nothing to do with right parking. If you had to pay for parking, if yeah,
1: yep, yeah, yeah. So I think that's the biggest problem. So instead, it's easier and cheaper to pay for MLB TV and watch games at home. Yeah. Which, if you're so. There's the first argument that a I don't feel like that's indicative of the health of the game necessarily. It's more of the economy, right? Yeah, and also the way they're counting seats because Samson told us that <laughs> Bud Selig's big thing was bump your numbers, fudge right? them, yeah, <laughs> yeah. And since then they've taken a different approach and don't do that anymore. But the other thing, the other big thing that that Costas talks about is ratings, TV ratings, at the Nielsen ratings. You know, yeah, it's time. like oh man, baseball was doing these massive numbers, and it's like. There is no way to tell now.
0: Not now. Zero. No, no with there's so and much streaming, streaming and yeah. all the VPNs that are stealing it. And yeah, there's, there's no way to tell. You could have
1: half the globe watching a world series game and it would look like you've got 3 million people watching. Yeah,
0: that's exactly right.
1: You cannot tell. There's no way to track it.
0: These days. A couple of his arguments are really interesting. He said that player movement was too high back then. Um, salary structure completely out of control teams opening the, yeah teams opening the season in hopeless situations that still is a problem player movement Mm -hmm. too high still is a problem right huge league-wide economic injustice and inequity still have a huge problem there so those Mm -hmm. things we like we've seen attempts to bridge those gaps and what i think that the player movement being too too high is probably the one that's sorting itself out naturally right now. When we're seeing mm-hmm. these big, huge contracts, these big long-term contracts. Well, and teams are but, willing
1: to buy out arbitration is what's going on too. Like we'll talk a little bit yeah. about that in, later. But teams are more willing to buy out arbitration years now to keep guys around for a long time. Like the Mariners bought out all of Julio Rodriguez's rookie contract, all three years of arbitration, and then like ten years after that. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Right? And we've yeah, seen yeah. we've seen other teams do the same thing, like. The Braves did it with Acuna. Um, they've done it with, they just did it with Sean Murphy, I believe. You know, mm-hmm. that these teams who are building homegrown talent realize that they have the talent. They got to, but they got to buy out arbitration. They got to extend that contract way, way, way out because that's what guys want. The I Yankees think
0: just did it with everybody, but Klaver uh, Torres. <laughs> He's the only one <laughs> that didn't extend. He's the only one that's going to arbitration. No, mm.
1: dang. Yeah.
0: We'll talk about it in a minute, but, um, so Costas he argues in chapter one, he says, what the, what the, these are some of his bullet point ideas, revenue sharing, salary cap, and then a superstar salary cap. So I thought it was really interesting where he says, you know, guys who have the opportunity, their MVPs, their top five Cy Young voters, stuff like that, that there would be a different salary cap for them, but that there would also be a legalized salary floor. Which I thought right. was fascinating and fantastic. Um, higher minimum salaries across the board, which we've already seen come to fruition. Um, a he calls a liberalized free agency, which he, which he gets into later in the book, and then he wants to eliminate the arbitration structure as we know it today. That those are some of his bullet points, just from chapter one, as he sees like the changes that need to occur. Yeah. And I think honestly, like
1: his, I had never thought about how bad the arbitration system is until yeah. he brought it up. Yeah. You know that? Like, I know I always go back to the NBA, but I really think they figured a lot of things out as far as mm-hmm. like player yeah. contracts. And um, if the NBA or if MLB did things the way the NBA did, it would just lop off the arbitration years. Right. Cause you've got three years of arbitration. It would just yeah. chop those off after three years of service time.
0: Instead of six, which Costas right. argues is criminal,
1: it is. That's a long time. Most guys it's, never is make, criminal, never make free agency, exactly at all ever. But in the NBA, and granted, it's a smaller group of people. Yeah, right. There's only two rounds in the draft, so your yeah. pool pool of players is much smaller. But guys will make free agency, and they will be like a fringe player. They like be like a sixth or seventh man, and they're still making like really, really good money and getting a three year deal. They get yeah. three more years in the league. Yeah. You know, so I think if they were to lop off that arbitration, I think he's got a great point that that would be huge for the players. And I bet that they would give so many other concessions. I bet they would probably agree to um, a A a salary cap because then by nature, you have to have a salary
0: floor, which I know the owners don't want.
1: But if they're getting rid of arbitration.
0: It's funny that you bring up the NBA because so does Bob Costas and he, he actually comes after baseball for following the NBA's guidance on the playoff structure. He says that uh, the NBA is the reason that the playoffs in Major League Baseball look the way they look today and it's uh, was fantastic. because of this. What?
1: And it's Fantastic.
0: Yeah, yeah, you're, you're Bob Costas is against it. Brad thinks he's wrong.
1: <laughs> he he says, though I had been critical of I, this is this is on page six. I have this highlighted in my Kindle. It says, though I had been critical of the wild card system and three. Uh, uh, oh, he's talking about he's going back to the. Uh, never mind, that's the wrong spot. He's going back to the World Series between the Indians and the and the Marlins. Yeah, but yeah, anyway, he's been critical of the wild card system. I think at one point he calls it an abomination. He did.
0: Yeah. He called it an abomination.
1: Yeah. Yeah. And I was like, man, I don't think so.
0: (laughs) Well, and I don't think it was. I like the old school pennant races just as much as he does. I think it was exciting. It was steeped in culture there. I go also being accused of being a purist, which I've agreed is not far from. I'm I'm far more on the romantic side. I'm way more field of dreams than I am. Bull Durham for sure (laughs) that I'm right there. But at the same time, though, I think that the way they handled it this last season was probably as good as it's ever been. With expansion? With playoff expansion? Yeah, the expanded playoffs and allowing for a bye week or a bye series for the best teams and letting everybody else duke it out at the bottom, I thought was awesome. It worked out. It was so much more fun.
1: Yeah, and I, I think the bye is a solid reward um, I, I just think that like the three divisions make sense geographically mm-hmm. and adding in the wild card like you kind of have to. Right. Um, but you're still rewarding the teams that win their division because the best team in the league still gets home field against the wild card team. Yeah. But because it's baseball, anybody could still win those games. Right. Right. You know, but Mm -hmm. and I'll say the same thing I always say about expanded playoffs: the more teams you let in, the longer teams are relevant, and the more meaningful games you have through the entire year. Yeah. Now that being said, I do not think they should add one more team to either play like to the
0: playoffs. No, it's perfect. It's It's the way it's set up right now is where it needs to be. It's the sweet spot, and I think even adding two additional expansion teams should not automatically trigger any adjustment to the current playoff format. Right yeah
1: because it's funny because he criticizes like you said he criticizes the nba and criticizes major league baseball for following the nba um and the nba has really opened things up that now rather than letting in the top eight from each conference they have uh they have a couple playing games so you've got 10 teams from each conference that has a shot at making the playoffs after the like the day the season ends that's two-thirds of your league
0: yeah, that could be in
1: the <laughs> that are playing for the playoffs, like
0: which is insane. That's too that, much, too much makes no sense to me. Yeah, yeah. Let's move on to chapter two really quick, just for the, the sake of brevity, because I thought this was really interesting. Chapter two, he goes into what actually happened. So chapter one, he says, this is what should have happened in the 1993 leading into the potential strike and then the actual strike. And in chapter two, he says, and this is what actually went down. And I don't want to get too deep into what actually went down because I feel like we've talked about it a lot. But his perspective that, that really got me, I should have written down the page number, but I'll quote it. He says, the worst part about the strike in 94 is that it forced many fans to conclude that the owners and the players had little but contempt for the game of baseball, saw it largely as a money-making instrument. And then he goes on to say that post strike baseball was far less worthy of fans' devotion.
1: I don't know. I feel like what happened after the strike financially was inevitable. Just because there's so much money involved with live TV rights, it was going to happen. Like, yeah, because that's where players get paid. Players get paid from TV rights. And, uh, It's, it's one of those bubbles that eventually it's going to burst. And I think it's going to probably burst with getting rid of blackouts, but it's continued to get bigger and bigger and bigger over the years. Like, I mean, think about it before we just had the three, four major networks, right? Three of them Mm -hmm. maybe between, I guess, four with CBS, Fox, NBC, and, um, ABC, right? We're yep. contending, and then you've got cable, and then you've got TBS, ESPN, PBS, all that. WFN, and so it gets bigger yeah. because teams are because channels or stations are like, well, we'll pay you this much so we can have it. So it gets bigger and bigger. But now with yeah. streaming platforms, now you've got Amazon Prime, who could potentially, who's streaming NFL games. I wouldn't be surprised to see them get into it, throw us right. more money in the pot. Apple TV has thrown money in the pot. Peacock, Peacock. has thrown money into yeah. the pot, right? So that yeah. pot continues to grow and grow and grow. And players are continuing to get paid more and more and more because
0: of it. Way more. Crazy more.
1: (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. So (laughs) I feel like it's inevitable. And we were just seeing the tip of the iceberg post-strike because it was getting, it was starting to get so
0: big. The problem is coming back to teams that begin the season with no, zero hopes of making any dent in the playoffs. Like zero. And... We've seen since this book was written, not only do teams not have hopes, but they also plan for it. They're orchestrating their demise and tanking for a couple of years just to ensure that they have a better opportunity to build up their system and to save a little money on the side and whatever else there is going on in in there. But I mean, I feel like that part of the problem that he points out got way, way worse and it has not still gotten better. Right, because trying.
1: teams like the Pirates still continue to not contend. The Astros still don't spend a lot of money. I remember, I think it was like 2015 or 2016, where they were named the most profitable team in Major League Baseball. Yeah, like, yeah, because they're paying like five bucks for every one of those players. <laughs> yeah, everybody was on a minimum contract or a rookie contract.
0: But in the same in the same division, you go up to Oakland, and they can't win a ball game to save their Forever. lives. They're literally like, you can't even clean the bleachers because they can't pay people to clean the freaking bleachers. Now they're looking at getting evicted. You know what I mean? It's like, (laughs) yeah.
1: Yeah. And and this is what, this is one of the things too, is that like the Mariners fans know how much the Mariners get every year from TV money from root sports. But that number does not match player salary. Right at all not even close right and that's one of the frustrating things as fans is that you see money coming in but you're not spending it because and i understand there's other expenses you got to pay your gm you got to pay your citizen gm you got to pay your scouts you got to pay everybody right yeah but at the same time though like that should be another part of the budget is what it feels like Hmm. that money coming in from your tv deal money coming in from the league from tv deals and whatever else like that feels like that should be going to the players but that's not something that major league baseball does again nba nfl even i want to say that they agreed to like 49, like a 4951 split they did they maybe
0: 4852 they have and a whole like revenue that's going on in baseball. situation it's not and if it is it's not as much as it needs to be right because if cuz if it is going on these teams are
1: still somehow pocketing that money
0: yeah yeah well okay so that, that that gets perfectly into what he says in chapter three, and then we'll wrap it up after chapter three. But he says, Major League Baseball is less like 30 restaurants all on the same street, and more like 30 franchises of the same restaurant in a chain. Mm-hmm. And I thought that was a really astute way of pinpointing, like it, it was a great analogy of expressing, like, we have to work together. He right. even says, if Burger King wants to move across the street from McDonald's, test the market and see if they can hang right across the street. Nobody's going to stop them from doing that. But the team in Minnesota isn't just going to move to New York and, or he said, to, what does he say? St. Louis. We're just not just Kansas city. Isn't just going to move to St. Louis and say like, we're just going to be the second best team in, in St. Louis and it's going to be great. <laughs> right. Yeah. You don't do, It doesn't, it doesn't work that way. That's why I think the idea of a
1: third team in New York is like,
0: crazy it's crazy yeah i think it's crazy
1: yeah um one one more thing though like back to the tv stuff though i i laughed out loud when he said the abomination called the baseball network
0: yeah coming from lasted one year
1: yeah, but I, it was the it was like the precursor though for MLB Network, which has been it is successful and yeah, MLB totally. TV and everything that goes along with it. But like, of course, the guy who works for network TV is like, oh, what an abomination taking yeah, away right. from my airtime. Yeah, <laughs> I do agree with that. <laughs> I laughed so hard. I actually have a note in my Kindle. I said, actually, revolutionary. <laughs> yeah, we call that
0: a disruptor in the marketplace. It's what yeah. we did it's actually good it's actually really good
1: really funny that he called an abomination
0: right well it reminded me of the guy from network remember that film network uh he's like i'm mad as hell you know that's how it reads yeah oh yeah big time
1: (laughs) (laughs) and one funny thing before we go before we take a break um abomination you know the the marvel character he's like the bad version of the hulk abomination yeah every time i see that word i think of wilson when he was like three I think yeah three or four he couldn't say it and said he would call it body (laughs) racing I'm
0: body racing (laughs) dad body (laughs) racing it was the best that's awesome all right baseball family we're going to take a quick break but before we do want to remind you that our next section that we're going to read will be in two weeks so that will be chapters four five and six and we'll get those to you, uh, not next Tuesday, but the following Tuesday. So stay tuned for that. That's uh, it's again, it's like forty pages. It's pages fifty-one to ninety. So pretty easy to jump in there and follow along. And um, Brad's got the date for us. It'll be the thirty-first. Outstanding. Thanks, Brad.
1: Catch new episodes of the Baseball Together podcast every Tuesday.